Good morning, church. Great to see each one of you, and may God just bless you for uh, coming out and saying, I'm going to go, as for me and my house, we're going to go and worship the Lord today. Great to have each one of you here. Great to see you. And I just want you to, to remember what it says in Hebrews chapter 13 this morning, that when you come and make any sacrifice, whether it's getting out of bed and just coming, or you open your mouth and you sing and you don't feel like it, I want you to know and I want you to remember that Hebrews chapter 13 says that God is pleased. When you make any sacrifice, he knows you're here, he's watching you here, and he is pleased that you are here. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Remember that. When you make a sacrifice of any kind to worship God, he is so pleased. Please take a moment to find your notes outline. And if you have a basket of pins underneath your chair on the aisle, just make sure those in your row have something they can write with and uh, fill in the blanks with, draw funny stick pictures of me with or whatever. And uh, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 29. We'll be there in just a moment. Today we're going to continue our series called One Change. And in this series... If you've been here the last few weeks, you know it's all about pursuing at least one change that would help you better pursue Jesus Christ. And maybe one of those changes is going to make you reconsider your life like one of these signs. Maybe you need to turn around. You've been going the wrong direction in one facet of your life. Maybe you've been going completely the wrong way. As you consider making one change that Jesus would have you make to better pursue him, maybe you need to actually stop doing something. Or maybe you need to yield your heart to the Holy Spirit of God. But what is that one change that God would have you make to better pursue Jesus? That is the main question of this series. What is that one thing that is keeping you from pursuing Jesus better? That's keeping you from pursuing his word and knowing him better. What is keeping you from hopping on a spiritual bike and really going after Jesus? Really pursuing Jesus. What is keeping you from getting on that spiritual bike and really spending your life peddling for the things of Jesus? The things that Jesus has called you to do the things that Jesus says are important for you to do? What is keeping you from pursuing that? Because it is Jesus who says this. Take a look at this on the screen. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you want a fruitful life, if you want a life that counts, If you want a life that's meaningful because you are producing good fruit in your life, you are producing good fruit in a a life that's making a difference for those around you and for Jesus, then you must pursue a relationship with Jesus every day of your life. Amen? That was a pretty good amen. And you must let nothing keep you from hopping on your spiritual bike and really pursuing after Jesus. You must not let anything keep you from remaining in him and allowing him to remain in you. So make whatever change you need to make to better pursue Jesus. 
You know, we handed you out a card this week. We've been doing it the last few weeks. And as we get near the close of this series, we're going to ask you to do something with this card. We're going to ask you to actually let us know what change you're feeling God wants you to make. And what day you're going to begin to do some of these things. And so, are you going to do it on a Monday, a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or whatever it is? And we're going to ask you to turn this in at the end of the series. To actually bring it to the altar and say, God, this is the change you've been talking to me about. Or there might be some other change that's not actually on the card. But at least, is there one change that would let you better pursue Jesus? So I want you to take this card home this week and begin praying about it and thinking about it. God, I want to get on the bike, man. I want to pursue you with all of my heart. And I want to pedal for you, Jesus. What is it that he would have you change to be more faithful in weekly, monthly? What is that? And then we'd have you turn it in. Because, you know, whenever we register for something, we usually show up. Amen? And usually when we put our name down and we make a commitment, then we follow through. So that's why we want you to, to put your name on the line. Jesus, I'm serious about making the change you're leading me to make. Now this week, I want to talk with you about changing how you deal with what you feel. So that those feelings that you are having are always resulting in actions that are pleasing to God. So that those feelings that you're having are always bearing fruit that are pleasing to God. Especially if you typically are a person that does not do well with managing or dealing with your feelings. You usually don't do well with managing your emotions. Now, God gave you the ability to experience all kinds of different emotions. God has emotions. God has feelings. God has feelings of joy and love and happiness and sorrow. God has feelings of hatred towards sin. God has feelings. And God made you in his image. And that means that he gave you the ability to feel love. He gave you the ability to feel joy and grief and sorrow and like him, hatred towards sin. And God gave you feelings for a reason. It's because he wants you to worship him with feelings. He wants you to worship him from your heart with great emotion. In fact, God complains in the Bible that some worship him with just their lips. Not their emotions, not with feeling, not with their hearts. And yet the number one term for emotions or feelings that's used in the Bible is the word heart. Take a look at this scripture. Jesus says this. The most important commandment is this. You must love the Lord your God. Here it is. With all your heart. All your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. I mean, if Jesus was able to just kind of come down and sit right beside you in your seat this morning and he'd kind of turn over to you and, and whisper and, and you say, Jesus, what's the most important thing for me? And you go, well, the most important thing is this, that you love me with all your heart, with all your emotions, with all your feelings. And do you hear the emotion of Jesus' words here? Do you hear the emotion in the, in the words from this one who thought you up, who made you up, who died for you, the one who's preparing a place for, for you to live with him for all eternity. Jesus is saying, I don't want you to just kind of love me. I want you to love me passionately. 
I want you to, to love me with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Jesus wants an emotional relationship with you. You see, Jesus doesn't want just a head knowledge kind of relationship. Yeah, I know Jesus. He came, he died, he rose from the dead, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I know Jesus. No, he wants, he wants all of you to love him with passion. He wants you to have deep feelings for him, one that causes you to pursue him. Your Savior, your Lord, your eternal God, who's preparing a place in heaven for you. So the question is this, are you pursuing him? Can you really say in your heart that you're getting on your spiritual bike every day and you're pedaling towards Jesus? Can you really say, I'm loving him with all of my heart? But if you can't say that, what is that thing you need to change in your life so that you can? Is it your schedule? What, what do you need to stop so that you can really show Jesus how much you love him? What do you need to start? Now, when God gave you the ability to experience emotions, he made, he made you unique to fulfill a, a special purpose for this life. And if you don't know how to deal with what you feel, your uniqueness can sometimes do more harm than good. Because here's the deal. Some of you, do you know this about yourself? Some of you are stuffers. You know that? When it comes to your emotions, you just kind of stuff everything deep down inside. And so you just kind of live life on this plane. <laughs> You just don't let anybody really know what you really think or what you really feel. Some of you are, are just great stuffers. No matter what happens, you just stuff your emotions deep inside of you. But then there's some of you that are not stuffers. You are gushers. I see some people doing this, you know. Some of you are gushers. No matter what happens, you show every emotion in the book, whether it's a good emotion, whether it's a bad emotion, you just gush out everything to everybody around you. Now, you stuffers, you get frustrated with gushers, don't you? They're just too emotional. You know, you just can't deal with all the emotion. And you gushers get mad at stuffers because they're too closed. And they're not authentic. Amen? <laughs> just not authentic. But the deal is this. No matter how God made you, he gave you the ability to feel. And sometimes you have strong feelings. Ones that you either stuff or ones that you gush. But you both have strong feelings. So the question I want to answer today is this. Why is it so important to learn how to deal with what you feel? Write this down. You must manage your feelings because those feelings can be unreliable. Often they are unreliable. Often those feelings that you have deep down inside or those ones that you gush out all over the place can lead you in absolutely the wrong direction. How many of you have ever thought, I know this is the right thing to do. I just feel it in my gut. I know it's the right thing to do. But then those feelings in your gut led you down the wrong road. Those feelings in your gut made you do the wrong thing. 
You just can't depend alone on your feelings alone. Because not everything you feel is right. Not everything you feel is authentic, is authentic. I mean, here's the deal. How many of you been to Disneyland and you've been to that show called Bugs Life? You ever seen This is a Bugs Life? Yeah, it's a 3D animated kind of a movie. And toward the end of the movie, they poof some air under the seat that you're sitting on. And you go, whoo, whoo, you know, and it makes it feel like bugs are running up underneath your bum, you know, and, and, it's just, and you just kind of, you kind of just want to run. And that's a great example of how you've got a feeling, a strong feeling that I, what is it? I got to get out of here. But it's not authentic. It's not real. It's not really bugs. The Bible says this, there is a way that seems right to a man but in the end, it leads to death. Sometimes you have a strong feeling, but it's not an authentic feeling. You think it's the way to go, but it could lead you in an absolutely wrong direction. Next, you must manage your feelings because they can also be manipulated. Here's the deal. If you don't control your feelings, they'll control you. If you let your feelings guide you, Instead of letting what's right guide you. Instead of letting the commitments you've made to God guide you. Instead of letting the truth of God's word guide you. You will be manipulated by feelings and people will take advantage of you. In fact, advertisement, advertisers and salesmen are highly trained how to stir up your emotions. Because they know if, if they could just hook you emotionally somehow, they can get you to buy their product. And so the color of the packaging is awesome. The, the music in the commercial is awesome. And then the, the testimonials. Oh, my. They have you crying or cheering. And pretty soon you're ready to sign up and buy their product. They know how to move your emotions to make you buy. And, and, and if you make a decision to buy based on your emotions alone, your feelings alone that have been manipulated manipulated by some awesome presentation, you end up buying something that you really didn't need and maybe didn't even want. Anybody ever done that? Let's be honest. Yeah. And then you go home and you say, what was I thinking? Well, you weren't thinking, you were feeling. And your feelings led you down the wrong road. The Bible says this, like an open city with no defenses is the man with no check on his feelings. Having no check on your feelings, no governor on your feelings, leaves your city, leaves your life with nothing to defend it. The Bible also says this same verse in another translation. It goes, a person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Now, not only are you defenseless against manipulation by other people, but also by your old nature. Satan will tempt you to go after some feeling that you used to go after before you knew Christ and some feeling that allowed your old nature to control you. And so you have to be alert. You have to test your feelings because your feelings can be manipulated. The Bible says this, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Folks, 
we need to control our feelings and not act on every feeling because Satan is just waiting to manipulate you into a place where he can eat you alive, where he can devour you and take you down. And so you must manage your feelings because they can be unreliable. They can be manipulated. But how do you do that? How do you manage your feelings? First of all, write this down. You can manage your feelings by naming them. Naming them. You've got to identify what it really is that you're really feeling. You see, you can't change or manage something if you haven't identified it. But often it's kind of tough to to identify or put a name on what you're really feeling down deep. But here's the deal. If you can't name it, you can't change it. David wrote this, my thoughts are restless. In other words, God, my my thoughts are just bouncing around. They're uneasy, and I am confused. When it comes to naming our feelings, often we are confused. We can't really figure out what's really making us feel the way we're feeling. So to put an end to the confusion, to put a name on your feeling, ask yourself, what is it that I really am feeling? Try to scratch beneath the surface. What is it that's making you feel down or depressed or discouraged? What is really giving you what you're feeling? Maybe it's because somebody criticized you at work. Maybe it's because you were laid off from your job. Maybe it's because you had a great plan that didn't pan out. Maybe it's because you achieved, you worked hard to achieve a dream, but it didn't come true. Maybe it's because you can't fix something in your life. Maybe marriage or home or finances or something like that. What is really down there that's making you feel down, discouraged, depressed, angry? Put a name on it. Maybe it was the criticism that caused you to feel angry. The job loss that made you feel desperate. The failed plan that caused you to feel depressed. Maybe it was the lost dream that caused you to feel at a loss. Put a name on the real deal that's causing you to feel like you feel. And next, you can manage your feelings by challenging them. First, by naming them, then by challenging them. Challenge what you're feeling. Don't just accept that feeling. Don't just assume that what you're feeling is accurate. Challenge it. Challenge your feelings by asking yourselves these three questions. And and there's nothing on your outline about these, so you might want to write it down. What's the real reason I'm feeling this way? First question, what's the real reason? Like I said before, put your name on it. What caused it? What started it? But then second, is it true? That's the second question. Is it true? Is it true you're feeling this because of the criticism? The lost dream. You know, there was a point where the prophet Elijah was so down and discouraged, he went complaining to God. And he, and he said, God, I'm the only one in the entire nation that's still serving you. But God challenges that thought. And he says, are you kidding me? There's lots of people still serving me. That's not true. And a lot of times we have thoughts and feelings that just aren't true. So ask yourself, what's the real reason I'm feeling like I'm feeling? Then ask, is it true? And then third, ask, is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? 
Is this feeling going to help me get the best outcome? Or is it going to make my situation far worse? What's it really doing? Let's say you go to a restaurant. And you, you dress up. You go out for a date night. And you go to a restaurant. And the servant service is just slow. I mean, nobody's coming. You're there. You're ready for a nice night. You're ready for a nice entree. And, but the service is just absolutely slow. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting to get served. And then you watch another couple walk in 15 minutes after you. And all at once, they get their food before you do. And so you look at your spouse and you say, are you seeing this? Are you looking at what's going on? And all of a sudden, you've got these irritable feelings kind of building up inside of you. And so what do you do? To manage those feelings. First you ask, what's the real reason that's causing me to feel irritated? And you say, well, actually, I'm hungry. And they're slow. And then you ask yourself, is it true? Yeah, I'm really hungry. And they're really slow. <laughs> and then you ask, is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? Will I get better service if I go after the waitress or go get the manager? No. So if I get angry, it will hurt me, not help me. Listen, sometimes it feels good and even justified to get really angry. I came to this place and blah, 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 blah. It feels good. But if you let your feelings control you, you just might end up with a worse outcome. So challenge your feelings. You can manage your feelings first by naming them. What is it really? Then challenge it. Is it true? Is it right? Will it make my situation better or worse? And then last this morning, you can manage your feelings by taming them. Naming them, challenging them, and then taming them. Whether you feel like it or not, you can tame them. You can change those feelings. And the Bible says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So your attitude, what, what you're feeling deep down inside, should always be the same as Jesus. So you begin to ask yourself, how would Jesus feel in this situation? Would he get irritated with the waitress? No. Would he start yelling at the waitress? No. Would, would he wring his hands and worry if he might not get fed? No. So challenge that feeling that is not like Jesus. Choose to change that feeling and choose to act like Jesus. And then channel what you're feeling into something good. Let's say that it's even worse. And maybe you've been the victim of some injustice. You've experienced something that's horribly unjust, unfair, and maybe sinful. And let's say that those angry feelings begin to well up huge inside of you. But will your anger get you what you want? Probably not. But can your anger be used for good to help others in the future? Probably yes. You can use your situation to become a champion for justice because you know what it means and how it feels to experience injustice, injustice and unfairness. So when you take your negative, angry feelings and you use them to help people in the future not experience the same thing, that's called righteous anger. The Bible says that anger is not sin. It says be angry, but sin not. And so it's what you do with the anger. It's the reason that you're angry that makes it sin or not sin. You can get anger, angry in a righteous way. 
God gets angry at sin. God gets angry when people are raped, when children are stolen or molested, when people anywhere are somehow misused or abused. And so you take that feeling and you change it and you channel it for good. But how in the world do you change it? How do you channel it for good? Maybe you feel that your feelings are are so powerful and so strong that there's no way you can change them. So what do you do? Well, what you don't do is try to rely on your own power. Look at what God says, Zechariah 4, 6. You will not only, you will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, all-powerful. How does that happen? How do you let the Holy Spirit come and change and channel a strong feeling? Well, folks, you simply just ask for His help. You simply ask for Him to fill you, to empower you to change, to enable you to change, to give you a strength beyond your own. You don't get out of bed in the morning without saying, Holy Spirit of God, fill me today. Empower me to manage my feelings and my actions today. And He will do that. The Bible says this, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Folks, self-control comes from allowing God to be in control. If God is what is filling you, then godly things like love, joy, peace, patience, all those things will come out of you. If I took a shampoo bottle up here this morning and and squeezed it, what's going to come out? Shampoo. If I took a toothpaste tube and I squeezed it up here, what would come out? Toothpaste. When you are filled with the Spirit of the living God, when the pressure is on, what will come out of you will be the fruit of God's Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, all of those kind of things will flow out of you. So let the Spirit of God fill you and empower you. And I'm telling you, if you do that, He can even tame you. I know some of you, some of you need tamed, amen? His Spirit can even tame you. Those strong feelings, whether you stuff them, whether you gush them, He can tame you. Folks, you must manage your feelings because they can be so unreliable and they can be so manipulated. But you can manage those feelings by naming them. What's the real deal? What's causing this? By then challenging it. Is it true? And then by taming it by the Spirit of God's power. Folks, this week, let's ask God to so fill us. Let's so yield to Him. Let's so open our hearts and lives to Him that when we walk out into the community, what people see is Him. Amen? No matter what situation you are in, they see the Spirit of the living God flowing out of you in things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And it all starts with dealing with their feelings and letting God have control. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a prayer, and if this makes sense to you, I'm going to ask you to pray it. It goes like this. Father God, I want to better pursue Jesus. I want to deal with what I feel in a way that pleases Him and blesses others. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit and empower me to control my feelings 
and my actions. If God's been speaking to your heart, would you just pray that? Father God, I want to better pursue Jesus. I want to deal with what I feel in a way that pleases Him and blesses others. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to control my feelings and my actions. Dear Father, we want to be completely yours. Fill us fresh, fill us full of your Holy Spirit. And as we leave this place, let us be individuals, but let us be a church family that wherever we go, because you so fill us and we've so yielded to you, they see you and they want more of you. I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. May God bless you today.